welcome to History Zine, the Spanish Flu series. Firstly, apologies to any of you hoping that this will be a direct continuation of the History Zine War of the Spanish Succession series. Someday, I will finish that story, but I'm afraid today is not that day. This is History Zine, the Spanish Flu series. Why Spanish Flu? Well, because of the current situation. The coronavirus pandemic has swept the entire world and created an environment that only a few short months ago we couldn't possibly have imagined. But maybe, maybe we should have been able to imagine it. We've seen several major outbreaks over the last few years and the example of the full-blown world pandemic back in 1918. History, it seems, repeats itself, or rather... Similar events seem to reoccur quite often. This is one of the reasons that the study of history is so incredibly useful to us all. We can look back and forearm ourselves against the troubles that are to come in the future. The Spanish flu provides us with an excellent example of a global pandemic very similar to that which we are experiencing now, here in 2020. And if it is such an example, surely we can use this to show how stunningly valuable the study of history actually is. If there are marked similarities between the 1918 pandemic and the 2019-2021, then it gives us an excellent opportunity to look at whether we did learn anything from history on that occasion, and maybe it will give us an insight into the progression of this terrifying situation in which we currently find ourselves. So I decided to try and find out a little bit more about the 1918 flu pandemic, which I'm afraid I will refer to as the Spanish flu, even though the name is more than a little misleading. I'll talk about that later. As I learned more, I found so much that exactly mirrored what is happening to us today. Much of the language is the same, There's social distancing, school closures, protests against mask wearing. It all sounds so eerily familiar. I decided to share this journey of exploration in a podcast so that you folks can come along with me as we examine just how closely our current situation here in 2020 resembles that of 1918. Right, I want to find out about Spanish flu. How do I do this? Well, first stop these days is always the internet, isn't it? And almost certainly Wikipedia. And yes, yes, of course, I will check everything I read on Wikipedia. And yes, yes, of course, I will check anything I read on Wikipedia. And I also hope that you will check anything you hear from me. Looking at the wiki entry for Spanish flu, it is pretty good. Lots of facts, summary of conjecture of origin, several graphs, and an attempt to portray the global scale of the pandemic. Lots and lots of information, all condensed into quite a short space. A huge amount to absorb all in one go, so let's draw out a few facts. First, we say that it started in the spring of 1918. It is possible to suggest earlier dates, but for now, we'll draw a line and say 1918. Second, we could be fairly certain it did not start in Spain. 
Large areas of the world were at war in 1918, so news in those areas was strictly controlled. This meant that the only media reporting on the spread of the flu was in non-combatant countries such as Spain. When the world started hearing reports of the spread of the virus emanating from Spain in May 1918, then they immediately jumped to the conclusion that this was the origin of the contagion. Third, it lasted from spring 1918 to spring 1919, coming along in three waves of varying intensity during that time. Of course, there are lots and lots of caveats on those dates, but let's go with them for now. Fourth, other than a few isolated islands, it affected the entire world. Fifth, the virus was H1N1 influenza A virus. It struck quickly and provoked a person's immune system to ramp up massively, causing a cytokine storm that flooded the lungs with liquid. When it first hit, there were many theories about what was causing the sickness. The study of viruses was very much in its infancy. In fact, there were no instruments available that could see anything so small as a virus, and wouldn't be until the invention of the electron microscope in the 1930s. It was first thought to be a bacterium known as Haemophilus influenzae, and it was not until 1933 when this theory was completely taken off the table. Looking into this, I was quite fascinated by the early studies of viruses. They are much smaller than bacterium, and scientists couldn't see them, but they could deduce they were there by their actions. They experimented with infected materials and filtered these using filters that would remove bacterium. If, if after the filtering, the infection was still passed along, then that must mean there was something smaller than a bacterium that was causing the infection. I mean, just absolutely fascinating. Sixth, it killed somewhere between 17 million to 100 million people. Now, I know this is huge variation but unfortunately the record keeping in different areas was massively variable an extremely large amount of guesswork has been done to calculate the death toll in places such as china and russia so we've got a few facts down there let's take a closer look at one of them the epidemic didn't start in spain so where did it start it seems we have three contenders for this most unwanted crown. There's Etape, a town in northern France that was the principal depot and transit for the British Expeditionary Force. Huge numbers of wounded soldiers passed through here from the front lines of the war. There was a sickness that spread through the army barracks in Aldershot, that's in England, the previous March, and it is suggested that this may have been a precursor to the pandemic and was carried to Etape by the troops. There is Haskell County, Kansas in the United States of America. An outbreak here was carried into the training camp, Camp Funston, and there spread among the troops. The first reported case uh, in Camp Funston was a chap called Albert Glitchell, and on the 4th of March 1918, he went to the infirmary complaining of headache, sore throat and a fever. Only a few days later, the infirmary was absolutely overwhelmed and a hangar had been converted to house all the extra sick. By April, 
the flu had spread through the American Midwest and had also reached the trenches on the Western Front. By May, it had reached Spain, and when King Alfonso and several of his ministers fell ill, the rest of the world began to hear the news of the ravages of this rampaging infection. Lastly, there is China. In 1918, large groups of Chinese workers were drafted in to assist on the Western Front. Many were sick and dying by the time they arrived there. The evidence for the contagion emanating from China has two prongs. One is that there was a very similar epidemic in November 1917 in northern China. This was later confirmed by Chinese health officials as identical to the Spanish flu. When the flu returned to China in 1918, the mortality rate was surprisingly low. One way this could be explained would be that maybe the respiratory illness from the previous year had left the population there with some immunity. The second prong of the evidence is from medical records showing that 3,000 of the 25,000 Chinese workers transported through Canada to the Western Front ended up in medical quarantine with flu-like symptoms. The Chinese theory is the latest of the three and it does seem entirely plausible. If you want to check on the sources for that one, it was reported by Mark Humphreys of Canada's Memorial University of Newfoundland in the January 2014 issue of the journal War in History. The other two theories have been around a lot longer and you'll be able to use a search engine to find those. If you're looking for a good book to read on the Spanish flu, then I would suggest Pale Rider by Laura Spinney. I read it and found that it gave me what I felt was a really solid grounding on the subject. I'll be reading more books on the Spanish flu and so I shall pass on more recommendations as I read them. So there we have the basic facts. What the Spanish flu was and a little of what it did and where it came from. We can already see many similarities between that pandemic and the coronavirus outbreak of 2020. As this series progresses, we'll take a closer look at how people lived through that time and what actions were taken to combat the virus. I hope you'll join me in future episodes as we examine what history may have to teach us about our present. I'm also interested in any resources that you may have access to regarding the Spanish flu. There are a great number of archives out there that are not yet online, with letters and other materials from the era. You yourselves may have stories told to you by your grandparents or great-grandparents. Please get in touch if you have. My email address is jim.mowat at gmail.com or you should be able to send me a message through the contact page at historyzine.com. I look forward to hearing from you. So, from History Zine, Spanish Flu Series, bye for now. Thank you.